The Network Live. News, insights, and stories right here on KNEL 95.3 FM and knelradio.com every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Don't miss this opportunity to hear world news, insights, and stories from guests around the world. The Network Live is your pathway to connecting people and ministries. Good morning and welcome to the Network Live. I'm your host, Debbie Rule. Today we'll be hearing a message from Lisa Bevere. Because a lot of us know how to be angry and sin, but I'm going to talk about how to be angry and sin not. And I'm going to talk about it from my own life. I grew up Sicilian. I don't know if you know what a Sicilian is. Anybody here know what a Sicilian is? Wave at me. Okay, Sicilians are Greeks, Arabs, and Italians mixed. We are the ones that gave the world the mafia. You're welcome. (laughs) It was our contribution. Everybody has a contribution. The mafia is ours. I hope you enjoyed the movies. Anyway, I am Sicilian. Then my mother is French and Apache Indian. I'm just kind of putting together a little bit of a package there. My dad, 100% Sicilian. My mom, French, Apache, Indian, and thank God a teeny bit of British because that just kind of helps with some stuff. And I grew up in a very angry household. I got saved in 1981. The majority of you are not even born then, but I was born again in 1981. Married John Bevere in 1982, became a pastor's wife in 1988. And in 1988, because I was sitting on the front row like you guys, I prayed a stupid prayer. I said, God, I'm just about perfect. God, I'm a pastor's wife. I'm sitting on the front row singing hallelujah falling down once a month. God, I think you are so pleased with me. So I'm going to just pray a prayer that sounds good. Father, I want you to come into my life and excavate it. Just go in. I I had been singing over and over an old school song. Take me in to the holy of holies. Take me in by the blood of the lamb. Take me in to the holy of holies. Take your coal cleanse my lips, here I am. Thought that I would go to bed that night and an angel would tap my shoulder, here's your coal. But there was a very different process that began in my life. See, before that prayer, just once a quarter, I would maybe freak out on my husband. I would maybe call him names. I would maybe say things I shouldn't say, but it was just like maybe four times a year. But after I prayed that prayer, it was now once a month. That's when I learned about premenstrual tension. I was like, until the Church of Jesus Christ puts all the women into the spa for that week, of course they are going to be living on the edge. But now if John would say, honey, are you getting ready? That's not it, but it always was it. Then it went from once a month to like every single week. That's when I figured out 
you'll understand this, Chris, we're youth pastors. Probably all of the witches in Orlando have targeted me, and they are praying against me. I am under spiritual attack. That is why I'm angry. Not to mention all of the other things I've already said. Sicilian mafia vendettas, Apache, people stole my land. All this stuff is going on. I began to be afraid to open my mouth. And I have one of those husbands that, you know, like does not let something like stop. So like if we were having a fight and it was nighttime and we went to bed, now we were word of faith people. So I would say to my husband, I forgive you by faith. I don't even know, I don't even know what that meant, but if his leg happened to come over into my space after I'd forgiven him by faith, I'd kick him back, I'd like roll over, I was off the edge of the bed, and then John would say, no, he'd flip on the lights, rip off the covers, and say, we are not doing this. We cannot let the sun go down on our wrath. But see, I think he was wrong because we had started fighting when it was dark out. So I felt like we had until the next day sundown. We were in a disagreement in the kitchen. I felt like my idle word account was getting high. I was like, I just need to not talk. And John was pushing me, pushing me, pushing me. And before I knew what happened, I turned and I threw a plate at him. It was thrown like a Frisbee. My husband ducked, missing decapitation, and it hit the window. Went right out the window that was not open. I shattered our apartment window. Now, when you do something like that, everybody comes to attention. And John was like, I can't believe you just did that. I said, I can't even throw a Frisbee. I can't believe I did that. John was like, no, seriously, Lisa, you just broke the window in our apartment complex. It was a huge, big picture window. Y'all remember I was only 28, only 28, 59 now. It's a long time ago. Anyway, threw it and he said, you know what? When they come, to fix this window. I am not gonna lie for you. And I said, you know what? You're a man of God and I don't want you to lie, but I will not be here when they fix the window. <laughs> so I get in my car and I am praying in the spirit. I am like, God, you are the God of the impossible. It would, it would be so easy for you just to reassemble that window. It would be a miracle. I could just give you glory for all of my life. Just, it's just like a flinch of your eyelash. The entire, all the pieces of glass would come back together. I prayed and I prayed when I saw the maintenance truck. I said, nope, not going home yet. Just kept circling, circling, circling. And when I came in, my husband looked at me and he said, you must have really been praying. I said, I was. I prayed for everything I could possibly think of. And he said, well, the maintenance man came in while I was on the toilet. So your two-year-old son let him in. And when he walked in, he saw the broken window and he said, whoa, whoa, what happened here? And he moved the sofa away from the window, looked down, 
and there was a metal Tonka truck. He picked up the truck, looked at my husband and said, say no more. This is why we have insurance. We understand that two-year-olds do things like this. These kind of things happen. And John said, I just decided to follow his instructions and say no more. So I went from broken, I'm so sorry, God, imagining people seeing me in church. Youth pastor's wife breaks picture window at Post Lake Apartments. I always knew she had a problem. I went from shaming myself to justifying myself. You were going to uncover me and see what God did. I remember no longer feeling quite so bad about it. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have thrown the plate, but you shouldn't have pushed me. That's the way I began to reason. I know nobody in South Africa would ever think like that. <laughs> then I had my second child. Now, I want to explain something. One child is an accessory. You take them out, you dress them up, they behave well. It's all a trick to get you to have more children. <laughs> when I had my second child, I remember thinking, what have I done? I will never brush my teeth before noon again. Every single day was just chaos and mayhem. And we only had one car. John would take the car to work and then come home, look at me. I'd be standing there with one baby in my arms, another one on my leg, a spank spoon in my hand, my nursing flaps down, and he would say, what have you done all day? And I'd say, I don't know. I don't know what I have done, John, but I have been busy. And he would say, I say, people are calling me, saying they want to commit suicide, and I am offering to join them. Now, I, 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 I'm, I'm not saying it's a good technique, but it did, it did help. People were like, oh, no, we need to rescue you now. I was like, what, wait, what? Maybe. So don't, every single day, I was failing, failing, failing because my oldest son, my perfectly well-behaved firstborn, now refused to take a nap because he is a justice child. So if I kissed the baby, I had to kiss him. What was I doing with the baby? If he was sleeping, I might be doing something with the baby that might not be equal for him. And so I would put him down and he would get up. A lot of times he would hear the phone ring. Yeah, I was a mother in the day without portable phones. And he knew she's trapped. He would come out of his bedroom. I would be in the kitchen. He would be playing in the loft. I'd be stomping my foot and waving the spank spoon at him like, get back in your room. All of these motions while I'm praying for someone over the phone. And my son would just be like, I see your hand. I see your hand, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm not, I'm not doing it. I tried putting the spank spoon on the threshold of his doorway. He'd just step right over it. He'd be like, I need to do this. And one day, my son came down the stairs, and I came running up to meet him. I no longer saw him as a child. 
I saw him as an enemy. I thought, this is the one stopping me from getting anything accomplished. I was a sleep-deprived, crazy woman. I'm stomping up the stairs with Addison. I walk into his bedroom. I'm looking around. I'm thinking, what can I do? And I hear a voice say, lift him up and slam him into the wall and put him on his bed. And I thought to myself, yeah, that should work. I lifted him up and I was just getting ready to shove him in the wall when I saw something I had never seen before. See, my son was not afraid of what I was going to do. He had no idea what I was going to do. He was afraid of me. And when I saw the fear in my son's eyes, I remembered my own growing up in a physically and emotionally abusive household. And every time I was slapped, and every time I was kicked, and every time I had been shoved into a wall, I made myself a promise, and it went like this. I will never treat my children this way. But there I was, a born-again pastor's wife, getting ready to slam my son against the wall. And it broke me. I put him down on his bed. I said, Addison, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry mommy scared you. I went running downstairs and I hit the carpet. And I wept until my entire being was empty. I said, God, it's not the witches in Orlando. God, it's not the Apache. God, it could be the Sicilian, but you're bigger than that. God, it's not my mother. God, it's not my father. It's not John. It's me. I have a real problem with anger, and I don't know how to be free. Wept and wept. And then I heard the Spirit of God whisper to me. And he said, because you're no longer justifying this, I'll take it out of your life. You see, what we justify, we buy. We say, I have earned the right to be this way because of what was done to me. How many times do we hear this? And yes, you can say that, but what was done for you is greater than what was done to you. And so I had a memory. See, my mother is the one who took out most of her anger on me. She was married to an absent, alcoholic, adulterous husband. And I acted more like my dad than I acted like my mom. So I grew up hearing, you're just like your father, you're just like your father, you're just like your father. So when my dad didn't come home by a certain time, she knew he was in the bars. And I did everything I could to stay away from her because it meant that her anger would be taken out on me. But she would always find me. So there was one incident that I had hid away in my heart. My mom became a Christian when I was in my teens. 
and I became a Christian at 21, and my mom came to me, and she said, will you forgive me? I didn't raise you the way I wish I would have. I didn't raise you the way I would have raised you if I had been a Christian. And I said, yeah, yeah, I forgive you. I forgive you. But I hid one instant in my heart. One, I don't know, I thought maybe it would keep me safe. It was the only one that when I thought about, I actually felt pain. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, call your mother and bring up that particular instance. And I was like, no, no, I'm not going to bring that up. God, I have a beautiful, amazing husband. I, I totally have compassion for her now. I, I, should, I should never have held that back. And he said, nope, you need to call your mother. So I called my mom, and I'm weeping on the phone, and I said, Mom, I almost slammed Addison into the wall. And, she's, and then I said, I, I need to ask you to forgive me for the one thing I never forgave you for. And then she started crying, and she said, Lisa, that's the one thing I've never been able to forgive myself for. Well, there's a reason for that. Remember the parable of the wicked servant forgiven the unpayable debt, goes out, grabs the fellow servant, pay me what you owe me. I was like, I understand that. He almost just got in trouble. But no, that's not what God said. The other servants reported it back to the king. And what did the king do? He takes the wicked servant and said, I forgave you the unpayable debt. And what does he do? Throws him into prison. But the other one now was in torment. And so I was tormented by the very thing I refused to forgive in my mother. So when I forgave my mother, we together prayed, broke the curse of abuse off of our family. And I just remember it was just this beautiful healing. The worst day of my life became this beautiful moment in my life. And then John came home and I thought, do I tell him? Because I did call one of my girlfriends and I said, you can't believe I almost slammed Addison into the wall today. And she said, but you didn't. She said, I almost slammed my kids into the wall every day. <laughs> See, I didn't need somebody that was gonna give me sympathy. I needed accountability. What does the book of James say? Book of James says, confess your sins one to another that you might be, what? Healed. See, I was forgiven when I confessed it to God, but I was healed when I confessed it to my mother, and then I was made accountable when I told my husband what almost happened. And John had no problems being my accountability partner because he had been on the other side of that anger. I want to read to you from the book of Galatians. Galatians 5.16. And the heading in the ESV says, keep in step with the Spirit. But I, say to, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. What did I want to do? I wanted to be a better mother. What did I want to do? I wanted to be a 
loving wife. But because I was living under the law of this was done to me, therefore I can do this, I was not living in the spirit. Justifying and blaming puts all of us back under the law. He goes on to say, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage. There I was, busted. Well, this one says fits of anger, but NIV says fits of rage. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And then he goes on to say, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things, the NIV says, practice this. Another version says, live like this, will not inherit the kingdom of God. See, that was incredibly sobering for me, but I wanna unpack it because I know that we have all done things, but it is different to do something and another thing to have a practice of something. See, a doctor has a what? Practice every single day. That's where he goes, that's what he does. That's living like this. And that's living a life where we say, it's okay to be like this because of the other people in my world. And I'm watching what is happening with the men and the women in the world. I'm watching the women begin to think it's okay to have a fit of rage. It's okay to act disrespectful. It's okay to have a mean spirit because of something that was done to us. But this is what I have learned about the genders, that what wounds one wounds the other. And we cannot act like the world and point our fingers one to another because we're not going to be like Adam and Eve and blaming. It was never that Adam and Eve were supposed to blame each other or shut down the voice of the woman. It was that Adam and Eve should unite their voice and speak to the serpent and say, God is good and it is written. So I don't wanna live my life according to the flesh. And then it goes on to say, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Came home told John, because see, I knew I was forgiven. I knew that I had been healed, but I had a habit pattern. And patterns of habit are incredibly strong. See, every time I was angry, I was used to stomping around through the house. I was used to slamming things. One time, and again, this is before this happened, one time John did something, I don't even know what he did, that I was really mad and I'm stomping around through the house. We had just moved into our very first house and I was throwing stuff in the dryer and I thought, 
I'm just going to slam this dryer door shut. And when I slammed it, my husband was standing there. He picked me up, carried me out to the garage, and locked me in the garage. And he said, you are staying out here until you calm down. It had the exact opposite effect of calming me down. I was furious. I thought, I cannot allow this man, every time he thinks I'm mad, put me in the garage. So I began to look around the garage for something to break, something of John's that would send a clear message, don't mess with this woman. But I couldn't find anything that I could break because I was too poor to replace it. So I remembered <laughs> that my husband did all the grilling. So I picked up a hammer and I thought, I'm just gonna put a dent in the lid of this grill. And every time John goes to grill, he'll say, whoa, that woman's strong. And I reach back, and I remember hearing the Holy Spirit say, if you hit this grill, it's going to be you doing it. It's not the witches. It's not a demon. It's you. Yeah. I hit the grill, and I said, I bind condemnation in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Brought John out to the garage to see my handiwork. He was not impressed. So I had a habit pattern of pitching a fit. So what I started to do is every single day when I woke up, I would pray, God, put a watch over my mouth. Let me be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to wrath. See, as a Sicilian, I would tell my husband, hey, if you want to have passion in the bedroom, you have to have things thrown at you in the kitchen. It's just the package deal. So I had made so many excuses. I was quick to speak, slow to listen, quick to wrath because I was fiery in my blood. So I had to stop allowing that to be my normal. I'd say, God, show me what that looks like. You know, a lot of times when we talk about renewing our mind, people think it's just memorizing, and memorizing is great, but I'm not that smart. And so what I do is I read a scripture, and then I meditate on it. I say, if I'm going to be slow to speak, what is that going to look like? Am I going to count to 10? Am I going to stop thinking of my response while my husband's talking? Okay, one of the best ways to do that is whenever my husband said something, I actually said it back to him. That way I was paying attention. And then I sometimes I would say, so is what you're saying? And then I would say it and he'd be like, no, 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 that's not actually what I was saying. Then I'd be like, okay, tell me what you're saying. That was being quick to listen yeah. and slow to wrath. What is wrath? Wrath is when you think you have the right to punish someone. Anger has three stages. Anger, that's, that's normal. It's normal to be angry about stuff. Rage, rage is like you just put a gun on the table. It says, now we have a threat in the air. Wrath is shooting somebody. Again, I'm sorry for the mafia uh, <laughs> correlations. It's just my world. But we need to actually stop things before they get out of hand. And one of the other steps is I had to tell my husband, I don't like it when you chase me around when I'm upset about something. I need to have a little bit of space 
so that my idle word account doesn't get too high. I need to be able to step back, that's what anger does, so that I can return. God, when he was mad, he would turn his face away, then he would turn his face back. We gotta get this stuff resolved because the wrath of a man or a woman never works the righteous purposes of God. Another key I had was if you want to be heard. Because a lot of times people get angry because they feel like they're not being heard. I have a really smart husband and I'd be talking and I could see he is preparing an argument like a lawyer while I'm just trying to talk. But uh, that would make me rampant. I'd start ramping, ramping, stop it. And then he'd just argument going higher because John would go logical. So what I had to learn is if I wanted to be heard, I needed to say it the way I like to hear it. I don't like to be yelled at. I don't like to be threatened. I don't like somebody being aggressive. And we are in a day and a time where our voices need to be heard. So we need to learn how to speak so we can be heard. Thank you so much for being with us today. If you would like to hear a rebroadcast of the Network Live, visit knelradio.com or find our podcast on iTunes and podbean.com. To follow more news, insights, and stories, follow the Network Live on Facebook. If you would like more information about being a guest on the Network Live, contact us at thenetworklive.org. The Network Live will be back next week at 10 a.m. right here on KNEO Radio 95.3 FM and KNEOradio.com. I'm Debbie Rule. Thank you for listening today.